the uh, the same place everyone with access to a microphone in this country, whether you do sports, whether you do news, whatever, as long as you can speak into a microphone and it reaches people's ears, you're going to start same place today um, because it's that big, the news, uh, the passing of Walter Gretzky at 82, Canada's hockey dad, son went on to become the greatest hockey player on the planet, set roots in California, but Walter was kind of our, our tie to Wayne here in Ontario, a huge Leaf fan, had a ton of Leaf games. Lots of people have lots of memories of actually interacting with him. It was, um, he was just like a fabric of this part of the country and our tie to one of the greatest Canadians and Walter himself, like one of the greatest Canadians and a, and a huge, huge cultural impact and, a, and a, a devastating blow for everybody as it happened during the Leaf game last night. So, if you go on social media today, or if you just pop on your phone, your Instagram, whatever, you'll probably find that a lot of your friends and or family members have met this man, that have had interactions with this man, because he was truly a public figure who seemed to happily embrace that role and who made time for everybody. And one of the things, I, like, I didn't know Walter Gretzky. I know you didn't know Walter Gretzky. I don't think a lot of people knew Walter Gretzky. But it sure felt like we did. And I, I think there's something really special about that. And and the thing that popped in everybody's head, the, the Canadian hockey dad, right? Canada's hockey mm-hmm. dad. We are... There's some ugliness to being a parent in that sport sometimes in this country, especially when it comes to, like, phenoms and stars and young kids with helicopter parents who have their fingers involved in everything or who never let go of this control. And here you have a guy who... I think he's got Wayne starting at two and a half, Mm. right? Those are the stories, like, putting the skates on him at two and a half. Someone who was involved from the very beginning who, at least from afar, never seemed overbearing, never seemed controlling, never seemed manipulative, never seemed like any of the qualities that you see when it comes to the ugliness of being a parent in this sport. And it's incredible sometimes that when you look at it and say that there is Canada's hockey dad and that he is representative of all those great qualities and that he raised the greatest of all time, the one who is the great one, that he is also the great one when it comes to sports parents. Absolutely. Like, this, this is the, that's exactly the prism I viewed it, like as a father, right, naturally, yeah. and with kids that, that play sports. And we just did this whole thing, breaking down the Tiger Woods documentary. And, yeah, sure, Tiger thought he was best friends with Earl, and certainly there was some level of connection. And what Earl did was partly to connect with his son, but he was pretty cold and calculating in the way he went about it, trying to create the greatest golfer of all time with one explicit goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just never seemed that way with everything we've heard about Walter through intermediaries, through Wayne himself. This was all the, his children were on the ice. All his children did different things. He just seemed like the the perfect combination of, hey, you want to do this? I can help you. I have experience in this, and I will I will be there on the ice with you. I will I will set the drills up for you, but 
I'm not going to push you to a state where you're going to resent me or the sport. And as a father, I, I look for role models for, my, for myself and how to, how to mold my own parenting style and, and trying to take things that I see that are good in, in other parents and parents obviously in the spotlight of celebrity and Walter is 100% one of the guys I've thought about in my interaction with my own kids because, hey, want them to be involved in sports? But if you don't want to be in involved in sports, that's fine. Want to be involved in your involvement in sports, but don't want to be that overbearing person that pushes you away from the sport. And Walter somehow did that, turning his child into the, the greatest hockey player that ever lived and stayed by his side through thick and thin. There was never a moment where Wayne after spending all those hours on the backyard rink, you know, finally reaching the heights of the National Hockey League, thinking, oh, man, I really missed out on a lot of my childhood because my dad had me out there on the rink. No, it was, mm -hmm. it was the same messaging from both guys start to finish. Yeah, and you saw that with the closeness between the two. Yeah. So, yeah, condolences to the Gretzky family, to all that did know Walter. You can... It's pretty clear the impact that he had on people. Um, I, I still think that it's it it was one it like there's not a lot of sports parents in general where people um, would have a photo with who would want a photo up with right you know who would stop <laughs> at an Olympics and say this is like one of the highlights of my Olympics. I still remember you know moving here and hearing all the stories of you know people running up to his lawn and grabbing blades of grass and I. I I guess maybe there's stuff like you don't mean to deify people, but for someone who basically spent his entire life in the public eye yeah. to have fielded as many requests as he probably did from people for either pictures or those little moments, right? Like where people are running on your lawn or people are taking pictures of your house. Um, always seemed to be doing it with grace and always seemed to do be doing it. Like he was enjoying it and that he understood how incredible that it was. Like, he seemed to embrace all of the good that came with it and not resent any of the bad. He could have easily taken all the praise and said, you know what, you're right, I am the guy. Like, you should be, I'm going to teach seminars. It's about me because, and Wayne said it, like, he's not Wayne without me and could have stepped to the forefront and taken on more of that role. But it was constant deflection, really, from both of them. But about... Wayne and there was no prouder dad I mean we heard the stories last night on on the broadcast about how excited he was always to show people Wayne's collections of trophies and the sh the shrine to Wayne that he has or had in his basement in, in Brantford this was this was a guy that and I don't want to name names we've seen fathers of sports celebrities relish in that spotlight in a more ugly way and make it more about themselves but Walter did a ton of charity work with that celebrity and again brought it back to his kid understanding that it, w it was he was just proud of his son and all of his kids and that was another thing that that, w that shone through yesterday with all the conversations about people interacting with Walter it's like not all the kids in the end uh, Brent made the NHL, and yeah, 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 yeah. And there was some some uh, sporting success stories there, but he, equally proud of of all his children. So, I I also think that a lot of the 
I, I think that there's the lesson, right? That there is that for people. It's like it's rare to be able to take something and make it bigger than it is. Where or uh, it happens off like it 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 happens too often. But this one actually does feel that way as a reminder to parents of hey, like you don't need to. You can be protective of your kid. You don't have to be overbearing and manipulative when it comes to raising a kid in sports. And that Walter Gretzky really does serve as kind of the golden example of that. But there were so many people that read and or reached out and wrote stories and, and shared them last night about the character of the man, right? Because that's the thing, right? Like all of this is just kind of leads back to the fact that this was obviously in just an incredible human being, like an incredible person. And I, I saved one of my favorites. I just wanted to read this one because I, I didn't see it going around too much on social. But this is from someone named Junie Nemian. Uh, the Twitter account is at onside with Junie. And this person wrote, sad to hear about passing a Walter Gretzky. We were once leaving a hotel in Helsinki on a hockey trip with Branford Bantams. There's a homeless man sitting on the street. Walter asked the driver to wait. Literally passed around the bus passed the hat around the bus, gave all the money to the man, and said, okay, we can go now. Yeah, yeah. These are these are the stories that are, yeah, untold. And uh -huh. there's also the stories of basically starting CNN, CNIB. It's, yeah, it's, he's one of our greatest Canadians, one of our best humans. He's mm -hmm. part of the Order of Canada for a reason. He, remember, also was a father during an era in which people weren't as woke where you had more leeway to not be the way he was and didn't, right? Like, he was kind of ahead of his time in that respect. Like, the, there's a lot of sports parents of that era who were harder, who viewed their role as more of a disciplinarian, as not a friend and not somebody that their child could grow up with in that way, and that's how it was supposed to be. Um, but he he didn't see it that way. And all his children were better off for it, and he'll be missed by everyone, and including, yeah, man, when you said that thing about, hey, a lot of people didn't meet him but felt like they did, honestly, yesterday when I heard about his passing, I, I had this, like, faint memory in my mind of meeting him, and I, I couldn't tell you whether I did or not, but he was so ubiquitous around the city, and he was so in that yeah. arena at Scotiabank Arena around the Maple Leafs, and I've been down there numerous times as part of my job. Like, I couldn't tell you if I met him or not, but I did honestly feel like I had met him before. And, again, he was a huge Leaf fan. So uh, let's talk about his team. Yeah, let's. Uh, it really sucks that his kid never got to play for this team. But, yeah, the uh, Maple Leafs did the thing that is so understandable that we would have understood it in the Oilers series mm. um, because they've been so good and so consistent and playing – without a letdown for so long that, and this sport is so random at times, that you would figure, hey man, losses happen. They outplayed the Vancouver Canucks last night. Like, all things being equal, Tron Maple Leaf should have won the game, but they didn't because they had the inferior goalie, and because Austin Matthews and John Tavares missed open nets, and an inferior team won a hockey game on the back-to-back -back at 10 o'clock Pacific time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Michael Hutchison was not going to have a 950 save percentage this season, I think is where I came away with. Yeah, Hutch stunk. Um, that first goal was just awful, and then the next one somehow was even worse. Uh, he and he had him. another one that went through him right. that didn't end up in the net. 
he oh he was swimming all night it was a battle for that guy and it was too bad because he's been having a really good season but yes there's a reason why Michael Hutchinson is Michael Hutchinson and that showed up last night and I really did think that you know Leafs came out with a lot of jump uh, compared to the Canucks anyways like their talent was obvious to the degree where it's like they could kind of sleepwalk through a performance like that and still finish the first period up nine shots and yep. William Nylander was buzzing. I thought the third line was buzzing. And then they started to slow down and, and looked a little cooked. And we used to say this about the Leafs in the past, and I, I don't really think that this stuff matters as much anymore because of their positioning in the regular season. But backup goaltending like that really hurts you on nights like this where you're searching for energy, you're searching for a lift, you're trying to get a bounce, and then a couple end up in the back of your net that – probably feel a little bit more deflating than on a normal night with your regular goalie where you feel like you can have a little bit more of a pushback. So, yeah, I think that what you said is true. It's it's certainly not it's not the type of game that we would evaluate in this season the way we would in years past. One is that they do have a good backup goaltender in Jack Campbell, so you know that he's eventually coming back and that you're not one injury away from playing Michael Hutchinson. But two, you're not fighting with Tampa and Boston in the regular season standings, hoping to leapfrog one of them to have an easier matchup in the first round. Because that was so much of the story of the backup a year ago and the year before that, which is you're losing all these points and it's costing you because it's resulting in you facing Boston in the first round. Now that's not really a big deal. You play Hutchinson last night. My first inclination was, wow, this is kind of playing it a little too cute. Freddie Anderson basically just had almost two weeks off. Why not just play him in a back-to-back? And then my mind goes immediate to rationality, which is, yeah, because they don't need these two points. No. And they should be able to pick them up with and Michael they almost, Hutchison. And they almost, yeah, they almost did. Right. Even with Michael Hutchison allowing two putrid goals. Again, they missed two wide-open nets from two great yeah. goal scorers. I had two things from that game that I wanted to highlight, though. Because Hutch was obviously the main story. And the back-to-back. One is that Matthews doesn't look right. Uh, he hasn't. He hasn't looked right. And I don't know if it's related to the injury or if he needs more time, but that's a back-to-back. And so you say, okay, well, maybe it wasn't there, but wasn't exactly dominant in that. Like, I wouldn't say that that Oilers game happens because of Austin Matthews. Like, he wasn't dominant in the, the third game against the Oilers. There just doesn't seem to be as much bite to his game. The shot does not look to all the way be there. There was the cool little spinorama move that he did, but I, I wonder how healthy the wrist is. Like, I, I do have thoughts on whether it's something where the team has told him, hey, it's going to suck for the most of the season. We're going to try to rest it in certain spots, but you're going to go out there, or how much he still wanted to try and catch 50 or be out with his teammates or play against the Oilers in uh, what was an important game. But it's it's something I'm, I'm watching. I, I don't think he has looked like Austin Matthews over the last two games. You seem to yeah. disagree. I, I, maybe. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. He was playing the best hockey of his entire career and exactly. like legitimately the best player on the planet before he went down with an injury. So, yeah, anything that's not that is going to feel in stark contrast to it. Did I mean, he's coming off a game where he had seven shots on goal, right? Like he mm-hmm. was <laughs> – that's pretty good. Didn't quite have that yesterday. I don't know what his shot total was yesterday. But and that's the thing. When Austin Matthews gets seven shots on goal, the pucks go in the net. 
Yeah, like, and they weren't I, early on in the season. There was those couple of games where he had all those shots and, and very few goals. So maybe he's going through another one of those things. Yeah, yeah I, it's, again, it's not like he looks discernibly bad nope. to my eye. But that's not what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. not the case I'm outlining here. I'm just saying that he looks like there's a little bit of uh, missing pepper on the shot. There I looks say, to be a little bit of missing aggression, but I cannot tell right now anyways if it's because it's the first game back and then a back-to-back or whether or not it's something. But if we're doing an is this anything, then I would say that it's something and it's clearly going to be monitored moving into the next game. I know what it is. I figured it out. What? I, it should have led with this. This is obviously what it was. Uh, Daddy put a couple ducats down on him to score at minus okay. 110 after the scoring slump. Uh, against the Vancouver Canucks, and yeah, wide open cage can't put it in, so that's what it was. Sorry, I put the I put the hex on Austin Matthews. Mm, sorry, but uh, t- I know you think you put the hex on, but no, my mom put the hex on. What uh, did she say? She was texting me last night. She said that every time she watches Leafs games, it's a disaster. She's dramatic, just like her son. But uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> she I, stayed I, up I, late to watch that thing. I told her to go to bed. She didn't want to do it. She actually said that she's been enjoying it enough where she she wanted. Although it's what a I love my mom to death, but of course this is the game that she chooses to stay up and watch. And she's yep. texting me late at night, and I told her I'm like, hey, go to bed. And then all of a sudden, Bing! It's the third goal goes in, and it's uh, a response from her about her being a curse that she's the curse. <laughs> uh, not everyone. I, I wonder what it is. That's genetic. Fans. Everybody feels like we're all the curse, but it's not just us. It's just you know, Dangle said the same thing the other day where he feels like he's the curse. Everybody like this- just feels like they own a part of whenever they're tortured team loses that they're a big part of that happening. <laughs> well, here's the thing. This is this is the big part of watching sports is that very rarely do the good times outweigh the bad yeah. times as far as emotion, right? Like you can get up for a huge playoff victory and yeah, the highs, the highest of highs, they do. They carry you. The bat flip, the the whatever. I was trying to think of the most recent Leaf one. Uh, wow, way to go, one. sports radio host. You're like, the bat flip, the next example, no, the, trying, what, no, the whatever. No. no, that's good. That's good that your history and your brain. Making a joke about how the Leaf yeah. one hasn't – there's a lot of yeah. people listening to us who really don't have a Leaf one. Uh, the winning of a championship for the Toronto Raptors two years ago, mm-hmm. that can carry you. But what do you remember more? Like, you don't remember these regular season upticks. You remember the losses. Yeah, you remember when you felt bad about yourself. And then if those are the things that stick out, you're like, well, what is the connective tissue to all these things? I saw them all. It's me. It's my fault. So that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it actually is my mom's fault. So thanks a lot, Mom. Uh, Michael Hutchinson, sorry about that. Sorry Mom had to watch you play. You had everything going well. I don't think she watched any of your games. First time she watches you, and boom, you turn into the ghost version of yourself again where pucks go through your chest and you go down. No, goal number two, was he just went right over his shoulder from the goal line. He's like, nah, you can't shoot it up there, professional hockey player. (laughs) 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 Actually, it turns out I can. Uh, It turns out I can. Anyways, uh, I like this version of when the Leafs lose, that it's kind of like, well, oh well, oh well. Came Enjoy your on Super Saturday. Bowl. Yeah, that's what I mean. Enjoy your Super Bowl, uh, Vancouver Canucks, because that was it. That's that's going to be the plaque that you put up on this season during the uh, North Division. Won a game Leafs off once. Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, did you also hear this, the secondary story, too? Was during the broadcast, they talked about Hyman's contract yeah. creeping up into the mid-fives. Yeah. And that was a little startling because 
I watch him play, and it feels like that's fair. And he truly does feel like he has now become one of the leaders of this team. And I've, I've used this example before, but more and more, he seems to be becoming the Gary Roberts to this iteration of the Leafs, where Dude. he's just the guy who does it the right way every single game. He doesn't have the scoring of Gary Roberts, but that actually seems to be coming along a little bit too. Like, he's had 20-goal seasons, and this year now he's driving a line – he can play up with your top group. He can play down the lineup. Like, I think he's of critical importance to this team. When we talk about the identity of this Toronto Maple Leafs, he is part of the core to me. That he is part of this team's core. And I don't know how you work that in, but it, it's, yeah, it's becoming more and more clear that that line is being driven by him. And, yeah, that he is one of the most important, what, six or seven players on this team. It's hard to go further down than that. He's, I mean, top five for me, maybe top four. Uh, Elliot Friedman was on the morning show, made mm -hmm. the comparison to Josh Anderson, who got seven times five and a half. And yeah. at first glance, you're like, no, Josh Anderson had that great scoring. Like, it was 27 no. goals. Yep. It's it's like Josh, like, it's not that far off. He doesn't have yeah, the speed of one a Josh guy Anderson. Has, so what? He, he, you know what he has? The health of a not John a Josh Anderson. Right. Right, and that played into the contract as well. Like yeah. it was an overpay because he was not yeah. he was hadn't played for so long. Like that is not unreasonable to compare the two players. Well, and also you talk now. Um, hey, how many guys in the league play with that bite that that edge? It's becoming a rarer and rarer commodity. And if you don't think that the people around the league who watch hockey for a living, the general managers and the coaches, don't feel the way about Zach Hyman that probably uh, Babcock, Kyle Dubas, and Sheldon Keefe have felt about him, I would guess that you're very wrong. That everybody's yeah. coveting that guy. That every time he shows up in an arena, guys look at him and say, oh, that's a culture, that's a culture setter. And, and that's not just a culture setter. That's someone who comes in there and, and brings you high-level play every single night, the Energizer Bunny. Maybe you're not watching as much hockey outside of this division um, as you I've actually started would to previously. Watch yeah. But here's what I can assure you, is that those scouts and those executives are watching all the teams, <laughs> including, you know, the top team in the National Hockey League and setting themselves up for an offseason and who's going to be a free agent and well aware of the narrative and the reality of Zach Hyman and where he's put his, himself this, uh, this season. And yes, driving a third line and then at the end of the game, you need a goal. It goes back on the top line in, in Joe Thornton's place. So yeah, seven times five and a half might sound outlandish, but that's not to me, not what I've watched. Uh, today from five to seven on Sportsnet 590, the fan, it's Arashma Danny and Stephen Brunt. Guests will include Keith Kachuk and Kevin Bieksa. Tim and Friends debuting on Monday on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet.